Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Okay. To obey is better than sacrifice. We talked about that last week. I don't know if you remember. But I'll give you a little recap if you weren't here. But I'm pretty confident. I look over at Jay at this one. I'm pretty confident that most people use this verse incorrectly because they look at this and they say, to obey is better than sacrifice. Okay, obey just means I'm, I'm like, I'm doing the religious things that I, you know, like were set out to do. And sacrifice is, you know, that really feels, sacrifice really feels like personal, right? That feels like that's the relationship thing to do. But in the context of the scriptures, it's the opposite, okay? In the context of the scriptures, it's the opposite because we see it, it's not the whole verse, all right? We take the part of the verse and we say, okay, to obey is the better than sacrifice. So we get people to obey and they don't even know what they're obeying. When the full verse says, does anybody remember what the full verse says? The full verse says, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, which in Bible uh, talk, behold is, hey, uh, pay attention. When he says behold, it's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's pay attention. And he says, to obey is better than sacrifice, okay? So in this context, he's actually saying that ritualistic sacrifice thing that you're doing is less than listening to the voice of the Lord. Like, you should be listening to the voice of the Lord, and when you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, do that ritualistic thing, right? Like, do, do that thing, but when you hear the voice of the Lord, which are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to obey, okay? And it's not like a childish thing, like now childish, I tell my kids to do this. It's not that. It's the Father who has considered all your circumstances is now asking you to do something for your benefit because I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you. And this ain't a prosperity message. It's just a, hey, <laughs> it's actually a prosperous thing to obey the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. Now, Jesus echoes this. He echoes this in Matthew 4. Anybody remember the major thing of Matthew 4 that he says? He says, square to the enemy's face. Like, enemy's tempting him and all doing that. And he said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? You're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. I haven't eaten in 40 minutes. I'm hungry. Imagine 40 days. That's a good joke. That's a solid joke. But y'all didn't laugh at me. I don't know what to do. 40 days, right? Seriously, by day three, I'm making every stone bread. Like your bread and your bread and your bread. Your butter. Like you got to have the butter. Right? And Jesus says... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every utterance of the voice of the eternal one. You see the echo? Like there's the shadow of, okay, you know what? Delight in the, in the voice of God. And Jesus said, oh, you know what? This thing is going to feed you. I, I picture it like this. Do you know as a parent what great delight it is to have all the kids at the dinner table? The delight it is to feed them? 
So here it is. God's giving us a picture of the delight it is for him to sit at the dinner table and feed you. Oh, here. Oh, Nick, here. I'm feeding you. I'm feeding you. I'm feeding you. And if you would just take it in and consume it, you would be nourished. But if you sit there and you're like, I don't like bread, I don't like, what? You go away hungry. So in the Old Testament, he says, it's, it's my delight. It's my delight that we don't do this real ritualistic thing. It's my delight that I feed you. So I was, here's the funny thing, because we had a little conversation over here, and, you know, I think, I know people, like, people crave, like, the practical, like, oh. What's the, what's the practical application of this? And usually when I say, okay, here's the practical application of this, I'll say something like, um, um, well, somebody will ask, uh, well, how do I hear the voice of God? And I'll say, okay, well, practically, you should really read your Bible. And then somebody will be like, well, that sounds really religious. And I'll be like, what am I supposed to, like, I supposed to do with you? Yeah, some of it sounds really religious. Some of it does, especially if you want to get practical. If you want to get practical, you're going to have to be religious about something. Now, what does religious mean? This is what it means. It means that you have not been given a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power Love and discipline. So religion is, look, the religion that I think is great for you to have is not the religion of all these rules that make you put, like you're put under the thumb a certain thing. I think the religion is, that's great for you to have is the discipline that allows you to hear the voice of God. That's good religion to me. And I think what we've done in the spirit of trying to break like a religious spirit, what we've done is we've said, oh, you know what? We, we, we've named very disciplined things as religious. So if somebody's like, well, you know what? I get up every, every day and I read my Bible at 5 a.m. We're like, that's religious. And I'm like, and God's like, whew, I gave him a spirit of discipline. I'm going to reward that thing. I think that's great. The religion that you shouldn't be worried, that's the religion that keeps you down is the religion that says, hey, you need to come to me in order to do this, you know, all that stuff. All that, that's the stuff, though. The religion that's great, the religion that's beautiful is a religion that says, you know what, I'm devoted to my father, and in order to be devoted to my father, I decide I'm going to do this thing. Because you have a spirit in you of discipline. You have a spirit of discipline in you. So you can do it. You can do it. So, is that fair? Is that fair? Okay. So, I don't want you to be religious, but I want you to be religious about your discipline in hearing the Lord. Okay? Now, to recap, last week a little bit, um, we talked about three times, three times, if anybody remembers, three times where the people that God was talking to, they didn't listen. Okay, so the first one was Moses, right? What did God tell Moses to do? He told him to strike the rock, right? So he strikes the rock and water comes out. And then next time he tells him to speak to the rock, right? And what does he do? He strikes the rock, okay? So happens in our lives all the time where we're trying to use old things to get new results, okay? 
So that's the allegory. The next one we talked about was Saul. We talked about Saul, and God gave him a command. He said, you know what? you got to annihilate this whole thing, right? you gotta, you got to root it out. And Saul, he winds up not following the voice of God, so he leaves a seed of the very thing that torments them, the people of Israel, all right? He leaves a seed there, and he basically chooses the tormenting spirit over the freedom that the Lord is, is providing. All right, you remember that? And then not only does he do that, but he like erects a, like a monument to himself for doing it, and the Lord's like, this dude, this guy, all right? Okay, and then we talked about Uzzah. You remember Uzzah? That's a hard one, right? Because Uzzah's the, the dude who like the, the ark is about to fall, right? And he reaches his hand out and he dies. And we talked a little bit about that, and I'll remind you about that one. The ark was put on a cart. Was the ark supposed to be on a cart? The ark wasn't supposed to be on a cart, okay? So it's a picture of us when we place things in the wrong place, and God tries to knock them down, and when you try to fight for them and keep them up, you're going to experience death. That's what's going to happen. It's a picture, okay? So I just, we talked about going into the practical, and I was like, I, I didn't know where to go to, to um, because there's a problem. Okay, there's a problem. Right, it says hearing like we got to be able to hear the voice of God, right? So the practice, the question is like, how do I hear the voice of God, right? Like, how, what do I do in order to hear the voice of God? And so, I was looking all throughout the New Testament. I'm sure I find it, but I get, I kept on getting redirected to the Old Testament and Old Testament stories in order to find the practical in hearing the voice of God. And I realized this as I. As I learn more and more about Jesus, as I, as I really understand who he is, and I read the Old Testament, and I know that the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament, like what's fulfilled, I realize that it's like a really bad shadow. Not in that it doesn't reveal, but it's like Jesus hiding plain in sight when you read the Old Testament. When you get to know who Jesus is, you're like, oh, he's right there. I, this is what I learned about God this week. He's really bad at hide-and-go-seek. Like, really bad. Like, God, this is like, this is God bad at how to go to seek. And if you want to be a good parent, you should be purposely bad at how to go seek. You don't, you didn't hear the depths of that statement. If you want to be a really good dad, be purposefully bad at hide and go seek. Because you should revel in the joy of being found. And that's what God does. He revels in the joy of being found. So that's why you should have your feet stuck out behind, uh, from the curtains, right? You should whistle a little bit because that's what God does with us. Like you're under the blanket and you're like, I do this, Cyrus, and he thinks he found me, but I'm back. I'm like, I'm like bringing him in closer. Be purposely bad at it. Be really bad at it. All right? And then see the joy, like, Look, my wife doesn't have this much joy when she finds me, as my kids do. And she's like, oh, okay, there you are. Carry on. 20 years of, of reality there. She loves me. Oh, no. But Cyrus, when he finds me, like when he finds me, he's like, whoa! Because he's not, it's not only like, I did it, but you're here. I did it, and you're here. And that's what, that's what the, Old, the Old Testament is just like, a really bad game of hide and go seek. 
And God's like, open your eyes. Try to play hide and go seek with your eyes closed. You'll never find them. Okay, so here we go. Into the practical ways of how to hear God. Or, or you know what? I don't even want to say how to hear God. I want to say this is how you can create environments where you are able to hear God. Okay? This is how you create an environment so that you can hear God. And I actually found it in the most obvious place, but in 1 Samuel. Because we found this portion in Samuel, so I was like, well, let's go back a little bit and take a lesson from Samuel. So, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 3. And this is, this, like, you all know this story. This is the call to Samuel, right? You all know this one? Does everybody know this one? We're going to read it, and then we're going to go back. I'm going to show you the things to do in order to create an environment where you can hear God, okay? So, now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. I'm going to read it all, and then we'll go back, okay? So, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. Ah, this is like perfect context, because we're talking about, like, how do I hear God? I'm not hearing him. So, in this time, we have, like, a one-to-one. It's hard to hear God. It's rare, it's rare, it's infrequent, we're not having visions. But here's Samuel. Okay. So it happened at the time as Eli was laying down in his place. Now his eyesight has begun to grow dim, and he could not see well, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Oh, the ark there shows up again. Hold on, I need to get my other verses from over here. All right. That the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. Then he ran to Eli. Samuel ran to Eli, and he said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you, Eli. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli, and he said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli answered, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. Look, this is perfect. It's a story of someone who has not heard the voice of the Lord. Okay? So this is like, this is a perfect story. Talk, talk about God hiding in plain sight. Like, all right. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, go lay down. And it shall be if he calls you that you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as, an, as, as at another time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Okay. So. I have four things for you in order for you to create an environment. And you know what? You could probably go to like a hundred other different sermons about this and get like four other things. These are the four things I have to offer you that, that I find looking within this story. Okay, so we're going to read through again. And it says, now the boy was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare those days. Visions were infrequent. Okay, so number one. If you want to create an environment that you are able to hear the voice of the Lord, the first thing you need to do 
is serve. The first thing you need to do is serve. So what is Samuel doing in this very place? He doesn't, it even says he hasn't heard from the Lord yet. He doesn't know who the Lord is. All right, but what is he doing? He's serving. He's uh, like, I'm going to tell you right. You know love languages? You know the love languages? How many love languages are there? Five? Is act of service one? Yes. I'm telling you right now that acts of service is the language of God. Serving is the language he speaks. Because God is for people, and how he gets to people is through service. So while we're all here trying to hear this voice of God about our own lives, he's like, hey, could you do a little service first? Could you get your hands dirty? Get your hands dirty and start serving, because that's my language. I speak in that language. I hear that language. When I see people serving, I respond to it. You get insight when you serve on people, on situations. Serving and putting yourself in a position to, to humbly give to another is like, that's like the fertile ground to hear God speak. And, I, and I'll show you. Uh, uh, let's go through some verses here. All right. 1 Peter 4.10. And I'm just going to pepper these. These are like just individual verses that talk about this. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving. So your gift was given to you in order to serve. It wasn't given to you for any other reason. I mean, there's plenty of reasons that come out, but if you want to seek ye first the kingdom of God, you're going to have to first serve. And while we strive for this thing of called sonship, like I'm a son and I'm an heir of God, well, you know what? Every son must serve. There's no way out of it. So if you like to call yourself a son, but you're like, but I don't serve, then you have some questions to ask. You, you, you have to look in a mirror and say, am I, am I a son? Because the very DNA, well, let's go to the next one. Oh, wait, wait, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifest grace of God. Wait a minute here. This is actually saying that if I am going to steward the grace of God, I have to serve. This isn't even that hard. I, I thought in order to like, I thought in order to like steward the grace of God, I needed to do all these like, you know, I had to, you know, I have to do all this studying. I have to learn how to preach. I have to do all this. I have to, I have to grow my gift. And he's like, no, no, no. If you want to steward the grace of God, what do you do? Serve. serve. I'm going to make you repeat serve like a million times until you figure out that the baseline entrance to be able to hear the voice of God is in service. It's in service. Okay? Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So it's for freedom's sake that you were set free to serve. Y'all like to stop at the freedom part. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. And he's like, yep, you're free to serve. You're free to serve. And, and the gift that comes to you from the freedom of service. Slaves aren't free to serve. They're forced to serve. Sons are free to serve. 
yo, we're going to get the serve part down, or, and we ain't leaving until, no. Mark and Matthew, it's the same verse. So we'll go Mark 10, 45. For, e for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to If it's good enough for Jesus, if, it, if you want to be great in the kingdom, what? Be a servant. Like everything is pointing to this thing. Like everybody wants to hear the great word of God, but you want to know something? I think I find it more times you do it scrubbing a toilet than you do standing up here. end right there. I don't need to give you four, three more. Like, don't, don't, like, don't try to hear all these things from God if you're not, well, I've heard if I say that. First, you have to study. But then, too, if you're not willing to serve, don't pretend like you really want to hear from God, because you know what God's going to say to you? He's going to tell you to serve. And then you're going to be like, I didn't hear that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You didn't hear that, because you're not listening. What did Jesus do at the Last Supper? Served his very, his very, his very body. My body, my blood. I'm serving it to you. Here is a picture. So there, there he is. Samuel is serving, and he 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 doesn't even he hasn't even heard the voice of the Lord. He hasn't heard it. Okay. If you looked at my notes right here, because I've been like they're everywhere, so I hope I can follow them. Let's see what happens. All right. Okay, two. And the lamp of God... Oh, wait, wait, no, no. It happened at that time as Eli was laying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he couldn't see well, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark was. Whew. Two. I don't want to write this all out, but... If you really want to create an environment where you can hear the voice of the Lord, you need to maximize your time in his presence. Oh, that sounds super. Did I spell presence wrong? Yeah, I did. Woo! <laughs> so happy. <laughs> so happy. Okay. Doesn't that sound super religious? Right? That sounds super religious. Like, hey, you want to be able to hear from God? You got to spend a lot of time with him. Oh, when you say it like that, it doesn't sound that religious. It doesn't actually sound really. It actually sounds really relational. Yeah. Hey, you want to know something? If you want to get at my heart, right, we're going to have to spend time. We're going to have to spend time. And, oh, you know what? If I want to spend time with Kendall... That means I'm going to have to not spend time doing something else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, man, that sounds really... I should be able to do it. No, no, no. If I want to get the heart of Kendall, like if I really want him to... If I want to get his heart and I want him to get my heart, we're going to have to actually spend time. And that time thing is where the heart starts to connect and draw closer to one another. So what I do is, and this is the part where you're like, you do kind of sacrifice. Guess what? You know, 
yeah, I'm gonna have to sacrifice doing that other thing because my priority is to grow closer to Kendall. So here's Samuel, and Samuel, we talk about creating an environment to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. What Samuel decides to do is say, well, I'm going to sleep right where Eli is, and I'm going to sleep right next to where, his, where I know his presence is. I know his presence is, because it was the ark, right? He knew it was there. So he's like, oh, well, or maybe he didn't know he was there, but he saw Eli do it. And Eli knew that the presence was there. And he's like, okay, I am going to camp out here. This is where I'm going to be. And in camping out here, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually as close to the presence of the Lord as I can. So, sounds really religious. And it's a shadow in the Old Testament, but I want to bring it to the New Testament. Really quickly. Not really quickly, actually. Now. Okay. Let's go to... Uh, Go to first. Oh, let's go to Luke 19 first. Luke 19. Luke 19. Okay. So Samuel sets himself up in the temple of the Lord next to the ark. All right. And it would almost sound what you need to do is like you need to come to church every Sunday, and that's what I'm I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you, as a temple of the Lord, are always making yourself available, that you're always aware of his presence because you are carrying around the very thing that Samuel actually had to go house up in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so Samuel had to go to a place, right, and lay down in there to be in the presence of the Lord. And what the Lord wants is that your, your body your very mind, your heart, your soul, be his temple so that you're never outside of the presence of the Lord. Does that make sense? So there's the shadow. Samuel, just laying down right there where the presence of the Lord is. Here the reality is that you, as the temple of the Lord, carry the presence with you at all times. So what does that look like, though? So Jesus entered, I want to go through this verse. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling Next verse. Saying to them, it is written for my house, in some versions it says my temple, will be a house of prayer. Which is actually, um, but you have made it a, a, a robber's den or a den of thieves. Which is actually two verses in Isaiah and Jeremiah put together. Okay, in Isaiah, he says, my house will be a house of prayer. And in Jeremiah, he says, you've made my house a den of robbers. And these are two of the prophets put together, right? And what the Lord is saying, like, oh, this is what you're supposed to be. If you really want to maximize your, uh, your time with the Lord, it has to be in prayer. Like, we have to be disciplined about prayer. And I don't necessarily mean that that always needs to be like, okay, here's my prayer closet. Here's my time. I think what it is, is more a constant conversation that we're having with the Lord, right? Like, I'm going through my day, and I'm talking with him, and he's talking with me, and I have my, like, I have my radar up. I have my radar up, because in this instance, he may have something that he wants you to do. But if your temple isn't a house of prayer where you're interacting with him, like, even in that moment, you can miss that thing that he's looking for. You've talked about this plenty of times where you're at work, 
right? And somebody will drop in your heart. Well, you're not stopping work, right? You're not stopping work and running over to that place. No, but what you're doing is you start in the intercession portion for that person and you're hammering or you're cutting or you're doing the thing that needs to be at your hand while your spirit and your temple is interceding for something that the Lord has asked you to do. Does that make sense? So, he's going to cut like he's going to come to you like I, I I'm I'm sorry like I maybe maybe I'm just bound to this thing that I have a I call the job and I it, it helps me feed my family, right? So I can't I can't always be like, "Hey boss, um the Lord just called me. I got to go." Right? I probably could do it and say, hey, I'm taking PTO and not saying anything, but it can't happen all the time. I, I just have so much time. So the Lord says to me, hey, you know what? I'll drop this person on your mind. Keep on working, but what I want you to do is I want you to pray. I want you to pray. And a house of prayer, a house of prayer looks like a place of rest and peace. I, I want to read this portion. Hold on. Um, let's go to first. Yeah. 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 Go to the next verse. Hold on. Sorry. I got to put the glass back. No. Saying to them, it is written for my house shall be a house of prayer. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and he was teaching daily in the temple. Go. Every moment. Every moment. No, 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 no. But, okay, so when these things are happening, like, okay, let's stop there. He's teaching daily in his temple. Teaching daily is the voice of the Lord. So he's delighting in feeding you daily, all right? And what the robbers want you to do is think, ah, I'm sick of this manna. Like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of tired of this, like, manna that I eat every day. You remember it? from what we talked about last week. And then you start grumbling and complaining. Yeah. And then, which is really the point that I, I want to get to here. Because he's, he's, look, teaching daily is a disciplined thing. There's nothing you have to do daily that, like, I'm disciplined about eating. Right? I eat every day. Right? I do it every day. It's a discipline I have. But teaching daily, like, he is instilling discipline in you so that you can learn something that you can grow into maturity. So he does it daily, and what the enemy is trying to do is steal that. So I want to go to 1 Thessalonians, because I, I want to kind of grab onto that, but in a different way. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Where's my... But we respect you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Who is that to Samuel? Eli. Eli. Okay? That's Eli. 
and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. What's the next verse? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, which means I am open. That's teaching daily. The Lord's like, okay, we're in the conversation. We're in the dialogue. In everything, this is it. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you really want to maximize your presence in the Lord, you need to master thanksgiving. You have to master Thanksgiving. Okay. I realized something because we've had like so many sermons about like what the will of God is. And duh, it's right there. What's the will of God for you? That you have the ability to give thanks in everything. So while we have been chasing around for all this time, what's the will of God in my life? What's the will of God? And we're like, oh, what's this thing that I have to do? He's like, I'm not so much worried about the thing as your maturity to give thanks in the thing that you're in. That's my will for you. And when you master your ability to be thankful for the thing that you're in, it opens up a world of possibilities for things that you could be in. Does that make sense? See, God is not limited by your circumstance in order to bring a, uh, bring a great thing, but you're limited by your thanksgiving or your ability to be thankful to see the things that he has uh, available for you. So the measure of your maturity is how thankful you are. But how many times do we trade out thanksgiving for Complaint. For complaint. This is what happened to the people of Israel. They just started complaining. And when they continued to complain, they couldn't hear the voice of God. And we do this in our lives. Like, the people of Israel is just your story. It's just my story. Like, I have definitely elongated my time in the desert because I was grumbling and complaining. And if you look at, like, if you really look at, like, look at the map. Like, look at the map, right? Like, this is where, this is where the Israelites were freedom, freed from. And, like, this is where, that's where the promised land is. And they did this for 40 years. Now, could you imagine, at one point, somebody should have been like, hey, haven't we been here before? Does anybody recognize this rock? Does anybody? Hey, hey guys, how come we're not seeing the pattern? We've gone in this circle forever. Why didn't we just take a straight line? And the Lord's like, well, because you've been, I've been teaching you how to be thankful in this desert time, but you just refuse to be thankful. So if you really, really, if you want to create an environment where you can hear the Lord, you have to master Thanksgiving. You have to put complaint aside. And th that doesn't mean, like, I, and honestly, that doesn't mean you can, can't go and, and tell the Lord, like, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm th 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 you tell it, but 
Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus in the garden. Like, you talk about, like, oh, I don't, I don't, if we could do something else, Lord, maybe like a, can we do like an exchange or can I, you know? But he says, not, not my will, but yours be done. So here he, he's like, okay. In his very soul, for the, for the joy set before me. Oh, for the joy set before me. Okay, for the joy set before me. The will of God in your life is that you master thanksgiving in all circumstances. All circumstances. I don't want to discuss like the circumstances of God's will in your life anymore. Like I'm kind of done like people like, what do you think I should do in my life? I don't, figure out how to be thankful. That's going to be like my standard answer. Figure out how to be thankful and figure out, figure out to be content because you come to me and you're like, what should I do? And I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know every single circumstance in your life and you want me to give you advice on going this way or that way. Which way should I go? Look, there's wise counsel for very practical things, but more times in my, more times I'm going to answer, are you being thankful? That's going to be the first question. Have you mastered Thanksgiving? And you're going to tell me yes, and I'm going to say, you're lying. You're done. Okay. All right. Okay. We're running out of time. Okay. So, what? In order to create an environment of think of, of an environment to be able to hear the Lord, what? One, you have to serve. You can't get away from it. Two, you have to be thankful. You have to master that. Okay. Three. Okay. This is cool. This is a great one. You have to respond. Go back to the story. Let's go back to the story of Samuel. Samuel hears a voice, and what does he do? He responds. Does he respond correctly? Does Samuel respond correctly? The first three times he doesn't respond correctly. Why doesn't he respond correctly? Because he never heard the voice of the Lord. You know what's amazing? The voice of the Lord sounded to him like Eli's voice. So, where did Samuel go? To Eli. To Eli. So, and it actually kind of connects three and four, what you have to do. You have to respond. And four, you have to receive wise counsel. If you want to create an environment. So, here's Samuel. Samuel's like, okay, I heard something. I think it's Eli. It sounded like Eli. Let me go over to Eli. Eli's like, no, that wasn't me. Okay, second time, it wasn't me. I heard you, but it was you, right? Eli, you called me. No, 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 it wasn't me. Sometimes I wonder if Eli was just like, I want to go to bed, child. Like, do I lock this door? How do I get this kid to sleep? Like, that's... A third time he comes. It wasn't me. And the wise counsel of Eli for that fourth time was like, oh, it's the, Lord, it's the Lord calling you. So next time what I want you to do is make yourself available to God. Don't come to me. Make yourself available to God. All right? And I thought it was so, it's so interesting. And that's like, this is what we should be doing for our part. You don't know what God sounds like? Run to that person who's actually sitting in the presence of the Lord with you that you're trying to emulate and say, okay, I'm ready. I, I, 
I, I need, I, what do you want me to do? And I, I, didn't, I didn't call you. That wasn't me. Okay, I'm ready. What do you want me to do? No, that wasn't me. And I keep on responding until I get to the point where I get the right connection. So for some reason, we think like, oh, first time, you better, you better have heard it the first time or you're not obeying. No, the obedience was that he went to the place where he knew source was. All right, so I, I, you know what? If I, a lot of times if I hear something, like I'll go to Mark, I'm like, oh, I'm hearing this or I'm thinking this, and Mark will be like, I don't know about that. That sounds crazy. And I'll be like, okay, maybe that wasn't the Lord. But then I'll go back. I'm like, I'm still hearing this thing. I'm still feeling this way. And he's like, you know what? There comes a point where we build enough relationship where Mark is like, go to God. Go to God. But two things have to happen. There has to be the willingness to respond, and there has to be the openness to take wise counsel. The worst thing that Samuel could have done is continue going to Eli, right? I continue going. Oh, I continue going to Mark. Pastor Mark. I said that first. Pastor Mark, I need this. Pastor Mark, I need that. Pastor, is this maturity? No, this isn't maturity. I keep on going over here. And then, and then the Lord's like, you know what? I'm really trying to be your source, but you keep on going over here to this source, and that was a good um, springboard source. Like, that was a good shadow source, but I'm trying to make myself your source, and you're not allowing me to do that because you continue to go back to here. And this dude over here is just getting tired of you. That's real life. You have anybody that comes up to you and always asking like for the same thing? You don't get tired of them? Like I can't say that to you? And we be mature enough? I, I'm approved right now. Mom, 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 mommy, mom, 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 mom. Can I, mom, mom, mom? Mom? You feel? No dad, every dad was like, Music to my ears. Because <laughs> we'd be like, hun, 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 baby, hun, when you're done with them, I need something over here. <laughs> I could use um, attention. <coughs> so Samuel is faithful in responding. He's faithful in responding. And Eli is faithful in turning him the right way. That's faithfulness. He didn't cast him aside. He did not cast him, like he didn't, uh, no, no, no. He, what he's faithful in doing is interceding for Samuel in a way that he was like, okay, I'm not calling him. I'm not calling him. I'm not calling him. Okay, let me bring you or let me point you in the right direction. Now, here's the deal. You have to read like the rest of the story because if Eli would have known what God was going to tell Samuel, he may have been like, you should read it. Because the things he tells Samuel, God is like, whoo, man, it's rough. It's rough. So if you want to be someone, if you want to be someone who helps another person to create an environment that they can hear the Lord, you will need to sacrifice your own gain in order for their growth. Or your own, mm, not even gain, security. 
you will need to sacrifice your own security, your own safety, right? Ready to turn it over for their growth. For their growth. And in, and in doing these things, Samuel hears some, man, some messed up stuff. He knows, like, okay, like Eli is done for. It's over, right? It's over. But the last part of that, the last part is his growth for Samuel. And I'll, I'll end it with this. We're at that time. I want to pray. Oh, 12 o'clock. Here, we're going to end it here. And the Lord appeared again at Sheol. Because, uh, Shiloh, sorry. Because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Like the ending of that story is that because Samuel was faithful in responding and Eli was faithful in directing, Samuel gained in his, well, in his ability to hear, but all around him actually acknowledged like, okay, this dude hears. This guy hears. Samuel hears. So this is my blessing for you. Stand. Stand with me. Real quick. My blessing for you, like Samuel, is that in your response to the voice of God, that others will be able to hear him as well. That others will be able to hear him as well. Because your legacy, your, your legacy is not tied around like these things that you do, but the environment that you create for others to do. Yeah. Yeah. For others to do. Like as a singular entity, you could do so much, but as a as a baseline for, or, or as a springboard for people to experience who the Father is, there is much greater to be accomplished. So I bless you with the desire to serve. That you first create the environment to hear from God through service, through acts of service, by humbling yourself and doing the thing that needs to be done, by putting some dirt under your fingernails, figuratively and literally. And literally. That we serve the people in, that we are in charge, that we that God has put in our charge. Yes. That we serve those that are need. That we serve like that we serve. That that would be our first inclination. To I I bless you to be thankful. I bless you that in every circumstance you are able to master Thanksgiving to the point that you're able to learn every lesson that you need to learn in every circumstance. Because you didn't spend your energy complaining. I pray the courage to respond over this family. That in response comes more word from the Lord. And in response comes more and more and more. And he'll call you again and he'll call you again until you get it right. But I pray the courage to respond. And then I pray that you have someone who will help direct you in the right direction. Who will counsel you wisely. Family, do these four things. Just do it. Just try it for a while. Just try it for a while and see what kind of fruit comes in your yes. life. Yes, thank you.
see that, see, I want you to see that in your obedience, it won't be this scripted thing, but it'll actually be manna from heaven feeding you, feeding you. And he will delight in your obedience because you hear him clearly. You hear him clearly. And you're able to obey from a mature person's standpoint, from a son's standpoint. I pray these things. We pray for our roadways. We pray over 81 and beyond. We pray for each family here. We pray for our community. Lord, may we serve right here. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Have a great week. Kids camp, continue to pray for them. Have a great week. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.